0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Life is a journey. Uh, I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing what they've gone through and perhaps even what they're going through. Some of the things that they are hoping and wishing will take place. It's always amazing to listen uh, to how God has worked in, in, uh, in our lives, isn't it? Uh, I, I was watching the video of the pastor's thing, and by the way, thank you again for that. I really do appreciate that. That's, uh, I know for all the guys that, that means a lot. Um, but I was, I was watching that, and I, I was reflecting just briefly on how God has brought each and every one of us here. And it is really rather amazing. Um, Lord willing, next year, we'll get that story out a little bit because when you, when you look at what God's done, I I can remember as we were praying through, uh, David being here, David Hopkins worship. Um, I was in Washington DC for the national prayer breakfast and I put in a call to the guys and we were communicating email and I had talked to David and we were walking through the steps and process and Stephanie and I were walking around in DC and uh, we got lost. They got those stupid circles with like 20 streets coming off of them, you know? And usually I'm pretty good about it, but my mind was off on something else, and I went down the wrong street, and before we knew it, we were walking on on some streets that I didn't recognize, and I looked up and I saw the road, and it said, Hopkins Way. <laughs> and I, t- I actually took a picture of it. It was pretty funny. So later on, we were going up, uh, we were still in D.C., and I went and visited my grandfather. He was at that point dying, and... Got to go spend some time with him. Uh, And and again, (laughs) we were following. Have you ever followed those, uh, you know, they tell you all the directions and and it doesn't tell you all of them. And all of a sudden you find yourself on something or you went past something you were supposed to turn on and you're looking at the map going, this doesn't make sense. You know, I love that word recalibrate, 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 you know. (laughs) We didn't have an accident, but we got off on a wrong road, and we were going down this little road out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm going, this ain't right, you know, this isn't right. And so we, we saw a street, and we went to turn around, and I turned around, and Stephanie said, look at the street sign. And I looked up, and it said, Hopkins Road. And I said, you know, is God trying to tell us something here or what? I don't even know if I told David that, but it was hilarious. We all have journeys, There's always stuff that God's doing in the midst of our lives, and and he's directing and leading and guiding, and and we have the privilege of walking with him in the midst of it. He's the great guide, right? He's the one who's able to get us where he knows that he wants us to go. The question is, are we willing to follow him? Are we willing to say yes to him? Are we trusting him moment by moment by moment? Are we enjoying the journey? because we're enjoying God in the midst of it. I think sometimes we, we get way out of whack because we're always worried about where we're going and what we're going to do and how we're going to you know, perform when we get there and we miss out on the way. And Jesus says, I am the way. You don't got to worry about where you're, where you're going or you don't even got to worry about how you're getting there. You just need to follow me. Enjoy me. Are we doing that? So I think the Apostle Paul did. I think he learned that. I don't think it was something came automatic. I think it took a lot of experiences. The mature through practice have their senses trained to discern, distinguish what's of God, what's of our flesh, what's good, what's evil. And I think at this point in Paul's life, he he just took every moment day by day in stride because he knew who was in charge of the journey. We've all well looked at the shipwreck. We went through all of chapter 27. Come on now. I went through the whole chapter, all of chapter 27, right? Not going to do that with chapter 28, but you do realize this is the last chapter in Acts, right? <laughs> Some of you probably didn't even know that. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right, 28. I thought there was 40. Amen. I could do what my father-in-law did and, and do another series of messages of all the things that I missed while we were teaching through Acts, you know? <laughs> I won't do that to you. I thought that was pretty good, though. Island of Malta, where do they land? Right? Life is a journey. Shipwreck, they're all safe. 276 persons on board this thing, they're all safe. I think that's amazing. Obviously, it's a miracle. An angel of the Lord came and told Paul it's going to be all good. That ship serves as a great picture of salvation, of how God is able to save in the midst of All kinds of difficulties. Believers should always take courage in Christ for what He could do. Think about that. Believers should always take courage in Christ for what He can do. I love that thought. Don't ever leave God out. Don't ever leave God out. You can never leave God out of the equation. To do that is a serious mistake because when God's involved in something, he is victory. He's victorious in everything that he does. He's able to accomplish things in ways we could could plan for a thousand years and never get accomplished, and he can accomplish it in one moment. Don't ever leave God out. Are we taking courage in the Lord For what he can do. Well, looking at Acts chapter 28 verses 1 through 15. The island of Malta. Their time here and their journey to Rome as it continues. Three things. The Lord, I think, in the midst of all this, constantly is doing this. He does it for us. In the midst of our journey with the Lord. In the midst of all the circumstances we go through. He does this for us as well. But you can see it come out in this text. He's always providing us with what we need. He provides us with safety. I think that's an important thing. One of the things we've prayed fervently for with Jonathan and this team to Burma is, Lord, protect them. Watch over them. and We were very deeply grateful when we found out they had gotten to Kalau safely. I know Jim is in the same boat with Barb. I mean, it's the reality of it, right? We pray for safety, and that's okay to pray for. We we hold it with open hands because we know God's sovereign, but that, that is something we pray for. And what's beautiful is God is doing that all the time. We, we pray for the fact that the, the, the walk that we have would bring honor to the Lord and that there would be respect brought about as a result. And I think you'll see this. The, these islanders looked at Paul and looked at Aristarchus, looked at Luke, looked at their testimony, looked at their lives, and it says that they, they were respected. I think that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. There, there's a lot of the world that doesn't respect believers in Christianity. No question. But you know, there, there are people that are hungry and they're thirsty. And, and when they see us walking with God in a way where it honors the Lord and when it gives God glory, the Lord begins to allow respect for us in the midst of that. And I think that's pretty priceless. Hang on to that. Not everybody is against what we believe and against our Lord. And he also provides us with fellowship. I love that part of it. He he allows us to enjoy and experience the, the church, the body of Christ, believers, fellow believers, in a very real and deep and tangible way. I can assure you, and I know many of you have this testimony as well, there's never been in my life prior to coming to Christ the kind of fellowship with fellow brothers and sisters that I have all through the times that I've known the Lord. Like when I came to know the Lord. Prior to coming to Christ, the fellowship was very, very different. Amen? God's always providing that for us. As we're on the journey, we get to go arm in arm. We're never alone. God's with us first and foremost. And secondly, God provides people in our lives to encourage us and strengthen us, to help admonish us at times. And we get to enjoy the fellowship of believers. So look at verse 1, right? Provides us with safety. When they had been brought safely through Then we found out that the island was called Malta, right? The Lord brought them safely through the storm. They find themselves on an island, which literally means refuge, refuge, which is interesting, right? Verse 2, he says, the natives showed us extraordinary kindness. Folks, that's just an expression of God's grace. We're never told that these people came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're never told that. Maybe they were persons of peace, so to speak. But they were showing Paul and the rest extraordinary kindness. That's just an expression of God's grace. For because of the rain that had set in, he explains why and how they did this. And because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. I mean, there's 276 people. This is no small task, right? And they come onto the island. They're shipwrecked. The islanders recognize that. They they receive them. They kindle a fire. There's rain. It's cold. It's not the time of year that they should have been setting sail anyway. They should have been back uh, in, in another port waiting out the winter. But they didn't do that. They didn't listen to the apostle Paul. And as a result, they're shipwrecked. Everyone is saved. And in the midst of that, God provides for them. God allows the natives in order to come alongside of them and take care of them. And they provide them uh, fire. They provide them warmth. They receive us. The indication is they gave them food. They, they helped make sure they had what they needed. Verse 3 is kind of, kind of one of those interesting moments, right? But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. Are you kidding me? I mean, seriously, if I were the apostle Paul, I mean, I don't know what I would, I I know me and I have a feeling my immediate reaction would have been like, seriously, Lord, (laughs) help. (laughs) I'm just trying to follow you, a snake. And it's not just any kind of snake, it's a viper. I mean, this is, they're serious, right? I mean, you can get that. I don't like snakes particularly, do you? I just don't. Dave Carmichael walks through the office every once in a while with a blasted snake that he catches back up underneath. And all the ladies are, you know. And I try to act cool about it, you know. And he comes up and walks close. And I'm thinking, Dave, if you put that thing in my face, right? I used to own a ball python when we were in college, my roommates and I. And my my roommate would take the ball python and wrap it around his stomach and he'd put his shirt over the thing. And he'd walk up to people that were studying, and he'd lift his shirt up. And we, we, had, we were all on the baseball team, so we named the, the ball python Slider. And and Slider would be nice. He, 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 they like warmth. So he'd be all warm, and, and then he'd lift the shirt up, and Slider would just kind of move his head straight at the person. And some of them just literally almost fainted. They, they, they <laughs> like, fell off their chairs. It was priceless. But I didn't particularly like I, I didn't. I know, it's horrible. I know, it's terrible. College kids don't get ideas, right, you know? But it was, a lot, it was, I don't like snakes. Stephanie, we were taking a walk a few years ago. We were up on the Northeast Heights and we're walking along and she almost got nailed by a, by a rattlesnake. Two ladies were watching from up at the top of the hill and I, as I reflect back over that particular moment, they told us, oh, we were watching the snake to see if anybody would get too close to it. I, I, I was thinking, You think? I mean, she literally was one step away from the thing. I don't like snakes. That thing hits you, and this particular viper, Paul should have been dead. Paul should have been dead. Well, God had told him what he was going to do. The Lord had said to him personally and sent an angel to him while on the ship You're going to go to Rome, you're going to testify. And it doesn't matter, folks, what happens in our journey that appears to be an obstacle, that appears to be a threat, that appears to be a distraction. It doesn't matter. God is able to use it for his glory and honor because when God says that something's going to happen, it's going to happen. You can trust him in it. You can completely abandon yourself to the Lord because the Lord is. Is trustworthy, he's faithful. Not a shipwreck, not a viper, doesn't matter. It's not gonna stand in the way. The other moment that's really interesting in this is that Paul is actually picking up the sticks. Did you catch that? The Apostle Paul. I mean, the humility here. He's just been used by the Lord in order to help these people be saved. He's encouraged them, right? He's he's gone through this whole journey with them. He might have, in some ways, and maybe in some arenas, used his title in order to gain respect and favor and all kinds of stuff. But he didn't. He's out there helping out. I think that's a lesson for every leader here. Do we think that our title and our position allows for us not to serve? Our title and position, the greater the title, the greater the position, the greater the servant ought to be. That's humbling, folks. We serve in different ways. We've got to be careful not to get away from the core calling that God has for us. But we ought to be servants. I like this story from... D.L. Moody, about D.L. Moody. Let me read it to you briefly. One rainy day, a man accompanied by two women arrived at Northfield hoping to enroll his daughter in D.L. Moody's school for young women. You've heard of D.L. Moody, right? Famous preacher in Chicago. Tremendous ministry used by God in a phenomenal way. The three needed help in getting their luggage from the railway depot to the hotel, so the visitor drafted a rather common-looking man with a horse and wagon, assuming he was a local cabbie. The cabbie said he was waiting for students, but the visitor ordered him to take them to the hotel. The visitor was shocked when the cabbie did not charge him and was even more shocked to discover that the cabbie was D.L. Moody himself. Moody was a leader because he knew how to be a servant. I would back that up even one more. I would say Moody had influence because he knew how to serve because he knew how to follow God. Because true leadership ultimately is followership. True leadership is when we come before the Lord and recognize that the Lord's the one in charge and he's the one that's taking the initiative and he's the one leading the way and we better get behind him. And then what does God do in our lives? He prepares our hearts for the service that he has for us. And when we begin to follow God, what we'll find is that we begin to serve in the capacity that God has for us. And as a result, we can trust the Lord with the influence, the fruit the results we we get so focused on the results and we we define leaders by results And we've got to be careful not to take the world's way of thinking about things and impose it on the biblical way of thinking about things. We need to make sure that we're not just serving out of what we should or ought to be doing, but rather that we're following God first and foremost so that he births within us the very divine enabling power to serve within the context that he raises up so that we have the strength and the energy and the wisdom and the grace the kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love emanating out of our lives so that God then through us takes care of the results. I think Paul was that type of an individual. I think when he had to defend his apostleship because it meant something to the body of believers and at that time to the church, not just a local body, but the universal church, he did so vehemently, but he did so bowing low. As he told the Corinthians, I speak as if out of my mind when I have to defend my apostleship to you. But you're so fleshly and carnal, I've got to say these things to you. But when it came to the core of who Paul really was and what God had transformed him into was transforming him into... He was a man who loved God and realized that he was the chief amongst all sinners, that he didn't deserve to even know the Lord, much less serve the Lord. And as a result, he was out there picking up sticks. (laughs) Beautiful. So the viper comes out because of the heat, fastens itself on his hand, And in verse 4, the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand. They began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice, and by the way, justice there, if you've got a good Bible and you can look at it, it should say the justice, because what they're really referring to is not just uh, an act of justice. They're actually referring to their pagan worship of, of justice, the God justice. Justice has not allowed him to live. Changes that a little bit, doesn't it? Verse 5, he says, However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. They were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to them, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. Wow. Isn't, that, isn't that what we do? It's so easy to look down on these people, right? First of all, the word Native. It, all it means is they weren't Greek speaking. It doesn't mean that they, they, you know, didn't know things or it had nothing to do with that. It just means they were barbarians according to the Greeks because they didn't speak the Greek language. They were observing this. They're watching this. They're not believers. And so they're superstitious. They, they worship false gods. And they're looking at the situation and they're going, man, this guy just escaped from the sea. They know he's a prisoner. There were other prisoners as a part of this. They were uh, destined for death. Remember, the the soldiers wanted to kill them all because they they felt like if the prisoners escaped, then their lives were forfeit. And Julius the centurion kept them from doing it because they wanted to bring Paul to Rome. And I think Julius, God God clearly was using Julius in the midst of this. And they're, they're, they're watching this happen. They're going, oh, look at this. Circumstantially, now, this guy escaped the sea, so the justice, the God of justice, has gotten him. Well, the more they watch, nothing happens. He doesn't swell up, he doesn't have any infection. Zip, nothing. Now, what do they do? They go to the other extreme. He must be a God. We better worship him. Whew, unbelievable. You say, no, Eric, we don't do that at all. Really? Really? You're driving along, you get a flat tire. Oh, man. Doggone it. It's because I didn't have devotions this morning. God's getting me back because I didn't do something that I was supposed to do. We're superstitious in our flesh, folks. If you don't know that about your flesh, you probably don't know your flesh very well. Think about that. I used to not think I was superstitious and then I played baseball in college and I, I found out I really was. I never stepped on a line. I didn't step on a line. I jumped over it. All the time. I'd go out to talk to the pitcher and I did not step on the line. Right? There were other things that i do that I'm not telling you about. <laughs> but I can distinctly remember running around the bases one time after I hit one of my very few home runs. We had an inter-squad game and i drilled one, hit the the, uh, sign out in in left field, left center. And as I was running around the field, the thought that went through my mind was God blessed me because I had devotions this morning. (laughs) Yeah, and don't tell me that you haven't had those thoughts too. God has blessed us with every spiritual, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We have already been blessed. But what we tend to do is we pendulum swing based on how uh, our circumstances are going. If they're favorable, we say, we've done something in order to deserve it. If they're unfavorable, we say, we've done something to deserve it. Right? And we're superstitious at the core. Folks, when we get into the word of God and our minds begin to be renewed by the word of God, we begin to realize that's not how God works. That's not his character. He's the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be forever. He's good all the time. How he blesses us is not based on our merit. We don't deserve it. That's what grace is all about. When God blesses, He blesses with all that he has because not only are we heirs with God, we're joint heirs with Christ. Everything that the Lord owns, we own with him. And it has nothing to do with what we've done, what we haven't done, what we could do, what God expects us to do. It's all based on what Jesus Christ has done for us. The question is, do we receive it? Do we walk in it? Whatever journey we're on, how are we viewing the circumstances as having been filtered through our loving Lord first? And He's got something to teach us, something to instruct us in, to guide us and to direct us. Well, respect. Verse seven. Now, in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him. And after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. And after this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. Fascinating, right? They they land on Malta. The natives take care of them. God begins to do a work. He uses the viper in order to give Paul notoriety. They meet this guy named Publius. It so happens, right? And nothing happens in the New Testament. Nothing happens on our journeys. All of it's filtered through the Lord's hands. God knew strategically exactly where he wanted the Apostle Paul. And he knew exactly how he wanted to use the Apostle Paul in the midst of even this island. Publius' father was dying. He was afflicted with fever and dysentery. Paul goes into him and God uses him in order to heal this man. As a result of this, what happens? The rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting uh, cured. Now, why does God do healing at all? I would suggest if you track it through the New Testament, the reason the Lord heals is in order to substantiate the gospel. What was the Lord doing through the Apostle Paul? Simply substantiating the gospel. We've watched Paul on three missionary journeys. We're never told that he proclaims or preaches the gospel. We're never told about these natives or the people on this island and their response to the gospel. But there is no question in my mind that Paul proclaimed the gospel and gave glory to the Lord for the healing and did not take it unto himself. God was using the apostle Paul in the way that he had always been using the apostle Paul. As an apostle, what is, what is it that's true of him? He was sent with a specific message. What is that message? The gospel of grace. He was there to share with people how they could know God through the Lord Jesus Christ, that their sin could be forgiven, and that they could spend eternity in heaven with the Lord because of the forgiveness that God provides through his Son. Verse 10, they also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. What a beautiful picture that. Paul and and his companions had walked in such a way that they were honored with many marks of respect. They were uh, given the supplies that they needed to continue their journey. Can I remind you that Paul is a prisoner? Paul's a prisoner. That's amazing, isn't it? He had such a life that even though he had chains, people looked at him and recognized there was something about him that was right, that was good, and they honored and respected him for it. In verse 11, we have the fellowship at the end of the three months. They were there for three months. They find an Alexandrian ship, which had wintered at the island. And it had the twin brothers for its figureheads. We don't know why Luke records this. The the twin figureheads, the twin brothers, uh, literally are Castor and Pollux. They are the twin sons of Zeus. And I, I think part of it is Luke is just simply describing once again the superstitious worship of these people, how lost they really were. Here they had just come out of a storm where God had spared them, and they get back onto an Alexandrian ship, another ship from Egypt, and they have these twin figureheads on it, these twin brothers, as if somehow those brothers could save them from the storm. Absolutely not. And everybody that got on board, and we don't know exactly who it was that got on board. We know Luke, Aristarchus, as well as Paul undoubtedly did. Now, we don't know who the rest of them were that got on that ship. Julius obviously did. But what a contrast. They're getting back on a ship, being reminded of what they had just gone through, and being reminded of who had gotten them through it. Love that. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days, and from there we sailed around and arrived at Regium, and a day later a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Putio. There we found some brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. And the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there. In other words, as they're going to Rome, the brethren heard that they were coming, And they came out to visit them as they were approaching Rome. And they came as far as the market of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and did what? Took courage. Luke gives the exact trip details. They probably traveled about 450 miles to get to Rome. The brothers from Rome coming out to meet Paul. Probably traveled as far as up to 45 miles. The Market of Appius was about 45 miles outside of Rome. The Three Inns was about 35 miles outside of Rome. So they come out to them. That's no small journey, folks. That's not just your little average uh, drive up to Santa Fe. They had to walk it. They had to have provisions for it. We don't know how they knew that Paul was coming. Maybe there was a delegation that was sent from Caesarea as soon as Paul had appealed to Rome and was going to be sent. Paul had spent a lot of time on the sea and certainly on the island of Malta. Maybe others had beat him to Rome. We don't know that. Maybe Aristarchus from the island of Malta had left and gone on to Rome and let them know. You know what's interesting is they were Christians from Rome. How did Christianity come to Rome? This is the first time that Paul is greeting them face to face. If you remember, when he was in Corinth, he wrote to the Romans on his third missionary journey, and he sent a letter to them. We know that Priscilla and Aquila had had to leave Rome because at that time, the emperor had kicked all the Jews out of Rome, and maybe it is that Priscilla and Aquila had gone back. We know that there was a house church that had met in the house of Priscilla and Aquila because at the end of Romans, we find that out. We know that there were brethren there. You know what I take out of this? Simply put, God's at work all around us in ways that we have no idea. And as we're on this journey and as we're looking to the Lord to lead us and to guide us and to direct us, as we're walking with him and he's providing for us constantly safety, as we walk with him in integrity, he allows for there to be respect that we can deflect and give back to the Lord. He also begins to provide for us in the midst of it, and he provides in a very specific way of giving us fellowship with other believers. God is at work all around us in ways we can never figure out. When we got to Burma a couple years ago, it was amazing to find out who the believers were in that area and to find out how many mission organizations were right there. And nobody knew about it. And all of a sudden, God started connecting things. Fascinating to watch. We serve a big God. God's at work all around us. The question is, in our journey, are we trusting him, walking with him, and saying yes to him along the way? Acts chapter 27, verse 25 is such a beautiful verse. Paul, and encouraging those who were on the ship, says something. And I think it's important because Paul is the one encouraging them to take courage. And now, when he meets these brothers from Rome that have come out to greet him, he's the one receiving the idea of taking courage. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe, God, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. And now here, towards the very end of his journey, which God had told him he's gonna go to Rome, he's about to come in, he's gonna have to appeal to Caesar, he's appealed to Caesar, he's gonna have to testify. God sends him brothers in Christ that encourage him, that give him courage. God's always doing that. I can't tell you how many people at the right time have been involved in my life to encourage me. Sometimes at some of the most dark moments of my life, all of a sudden somebody calls out of the blue. Hey, let me take you to lunch. And they take me to lunch and they encourage me from the word of God. God's always doing in the midst of our journey, we have the opportunity of encouraging others to take courage, but God will always send people into our lives so that we in turn can receive that which God alone is able to give. What journey are you on today? What's God doing in your life, right? Are you trusting in the Lord through the storms, through the difficulties? You're looking to him to provide safety? to provide respect, if you will, to deflect it back to him, fellowship of the body of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours